Amen. Amen. What kind, man, was that some worship was off the chart or what? Man, I love the worship of God. Welcome, promisers from all of our campuses. We're so glad to be with you. It seems like I've been gone forever, Michelle and I. We were here last weekend, but I didn't do the weekend, and so it's so good to be back with you. We welcome all of our campuses, our internet campus. We welcome our God Behind Bars men. We love you guys. Pray for you this summer or soon. I'm going to get over there, do a live message, and just ecstatic at what God is doing at Bledsoe County and our God Behind Bars campus. Well, last weekend was the culmination of movement. It was unbelievable. What is it not? It's unbelievable. Pastor Zach, our global team, our student pastors and our teams and volunteers at all of our campuses. Uh, I preached a Saturday afternoon message, and it, we had students saved every service, kids called to missions and ministry, and it just was explosive. I, you know, everybody looks and says, the sky's falling. I've never been more excited about your future because of the next generation that God is raising up here at Faith Promise Church. So it's amazing. I've also spent some time listening a couple weeks ago, 4th of July weekend, we had all of our, we had, I think, 9 or 10 or 12 different communicators, every service, every campus, and I've listened to about half of them. Man, they did an unbelievable job, did they not? Man, exciting uh, to have that. So God has given us momentum, and, and I don't know about you, but if you, you know sports, you know momentum, and man, momentum is unbelievable. It's your best friend when you have it, and, and we've got momentum as we move in. The summer's about over. We're going to move into the fall, and we are going to hit it like a holy hammer. Man, we are moving and grooving, and God is doing a work, and so it is so exciting to be a part of what God has happened. I believe in the next few weeks, we'll be having record attendances. And uh, I, if we get through this weekend, because it's my plan to make everyone angry this weekend. I've been gone, so I, I know you've missed that. So uh, uh, we're in a series, a new series that we've been working on literally for probably a year, and that is religious people ruin everything. And see, everybody agrees with that, but when you think about it, you never think about the person in your chair. You really it's almost don't think about anybody at your church. You think about those other people. Those, those others over there, but we're going to talk about those that are in here at all of our campuses, and, and we're, going to, so we're, we're going to roll that. So I'm going to dive in because I've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. Let me ask you a question. Question number one, would you agree that we all come to Christ as the prodigal or the younger brother? Bankrupt, we repent, we recognize that we've blown it. We say, God, I'm so sorry. Here's my life. I didn't bring anything. I'm broke. I'm, you know, the Beatitudes just bankrupt. Here I am. That's how we come to God. All grace. Amen. Didn't do anything. So would you all agree with that? Okay, good. Let me ask you another question. Would you also agree that we automatically begin to move more like the older brother? Wouldn't, you weren't as emphatic about that one. At Blunt, they were fired up about that. But see, this, and you have to recognize this, that I've been in ministry 34 years, and, and let me tell you, we, everybody, without realizing it, automatically moves from the younger brother at salvation, and we become the older or the elder brother. It is automatic. It's a natural progression. Let me tell you why. Because we are all plagued with a problem called pride. When we came to God, we realized we were morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, dead in trespasses and sins. We didn't do anything but sin, and God did all the rest. And so we recognized that. But after we're saved to go to church for all, we've done some work now. 
And we've given some jack now. We've served, we've won some people to Jesus. We've invited some folks, man. We, we cut our hair. You know, we changed our clothes. We, you know, man, we changed, our, we, we, we changed up our language a little bit, man. We, we polished up looking pretty good now. Now I deserve some stuff. Now I deserve for everything in church to be about me because I'm here. Are y'all with me? And I'm telling you, I watch it, I fight it. There is nothing worse than religious pride and blinders. Matter of fact, it is religious pride and blinders that gets a man to strap a bomb on his chest, climb onto a bus with 43 children, pull a ripcord, and blow their brains out and believe that God is happy with that. You cannot be more blind than that. You cannot be more blind than that. And for many of us, let me be honest, it's a quick, quick trip from the younger brother to the older brother. I've seen people make it in months. I have. I've seen hellions, heathens get saved, and six months later, bless God, is anybody saved like me? Do you know what those heathens are out there doing? Yeah, same thing you were doing six months and one day ago. What's wrong with you? You don't have a stinking memory? Man, I, it's, see, for many of us, it's a beeline. Because again, we have this pride. And this religious pride blinds us. Let me tell you a story. Imagine with me. You're in the backyard, you're barbecuing, you're outside, you're having a great time with your family, and you hear what you think is a shot. And then you hear another, and you look and say, what was that? And the bullets begin to fly. Your house is being riddled with bullets, and you're running through the backyard because there are, there are enemy combatants that are moving around you. And you run, and, and you, you're running for your life, and you look around, and you've lost your wife, and now you don't know where your kids are. And you're running, and you're hiding, and you find out that there's a safe over here, and then you get with a group of people that have all been run out, and you, you begin to make your way, and all of a sudden, there's a group of you now, and you're, you're hiding. You're trying to find your wife and your kids and because you didn't have time to go in and get your cell phone or your laptop. You didn't have time to, you know, to do any of that, and so you've left with nothing. You got, you got a pair of jeans and a shirt on, and all of a sudden, you cross the border, and they put you into a camp because you are a Syrian refugee. You were middle class, you were a doctor, you were a dentist, you were a baker. You're in a camp that's one mile square with barbed wire, no water, no bathrooms, and you have no clue if your family's alive or dead. And that is your plight, and you may be there for years. You have no rights, you have no authority, you have nothing. That is a Syrian refugee. And guess what? Do you know the church in America doesn't give a rip? One of the, matter of fact, probably the greatest atrocity since the Holocaust is what's happening right now with the Syrian refugees, with, with what's going on in the Middle East. It's absolutely horrific. I've had, I'm going and I've had friends, several friends who have been in the camps, who have served, who have gone to, to witness and to care for and minister to people. And they have no hope. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't know where they're going to go. And, see, and they got kicked out because they weren't good enough Muslims. And they are wide open, listen to me, they're wide open to the gospel. Wide open. But do you know what we're, do you know what Americans most, you know what, do you know what conservative Christians say? Drop a bomb on them over there, who cares? 
Have you been in a conversation? Look up here. Come on. Have you been in a conversation where you or one of your friends says, why don't they just drop a bomb in the Middle East and save us all some trouble? Who cares if they go to hell? They're Muslims. What does it matter? Those are Christian. Those, those people claim the name of Jesus and would consign people to hell. Just What about the Great Commission? Or was the Great Commission just for white Americans? Come on. Man, I love to go to churches to see a lily-white, blue-eyed Scandinavian Jesus hanging on the wall. He was a dark-skinned, black hair, brown eyes Jew. And I'm around people all the time that hate Jews, and they say they love Jesus. They don't even know he's Jewish. <laughs> what the? I mean, come on. Somebody help me. What about the kingdom of God advancing? The great, there, there, has, the, there has never been an opportunity like there is today to win Muslims to faith in Christ Jesus than outreaching and caring for all these Muslims have been driven away from their home. It, it's everywhere. But do you know what most, most American Christians' problem is? This is going to make you mad, but I don't, I don't, I've been gone three weeks. I don't care. Here's the deal. Most Christians get their worldview from talk radio. You know, St. Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and all those guys who, who were just, who would, who would consign all those people to hell because a terrorist might get through. The church lives by fear in America and not by faith. Are y'all with me? Come on, somebody. Man, listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, then the word of God informs your worldview, not talk radio. Because talk radio is just trying to get somebody elected. We're trying to get people into heaven. Does this make sense? Come on. The apostle Paul said, I become all things to all men that by all means I might win some. To the Jew I become a Jew, to the Greek I become a Greek, to the slave I become a slave, to the free I become free, that by all means I might win some. And by the way, by the way, about 93% of all the persecution that the apostle Paul faced was for reaching Gentiles. Read the book of Acts. They were great while he was preaching. They were thrilled when he was talking to Abraham. But when, they said, when he said Gentile, they tried to kill him every time. See, we who want to conscript the Syrian refugees to hell, there was a time when people wanted to conscript us to hell, but there was a man who said, I'll take the gospel to the world. And his name was the Apostle Paul. Come on, somebody. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Man, it's, it's, it's the real deal. Now, let me get real where we are, because it's easy to talk about Syrian refugees, because you don't know any. And they're a zillion miles away. There are a group of refugees, Syrian refugees in North Knoxville that we minister to, had dinner for. They're near North Knoxville location. They're Christians who, who were run out several years ago. But at Faith Promise, from time to time, we climb out of the box. We use movie clips. We use secular songs. We use drama. We use questionable content, not interpreting the Bible, but we get in, man, we, we talk about things that churches don't normally talk about. We use smoke machines and we use lights and we use all these things. Why? 
Why do we do this? Why do we get out of the envelope? We're, if we're going to reach people nobody's reaching, then we've got to do what nobody's doing. And if we're going to reach people far from God, we've got to be committed to it. But I've been, now I've been the senior pastor for 20 years and three weeks. Here, and here's the deal. Now listen, I've watched for 20 straight years people leave mad every Sunday. So I've grown accustomed to it. And people don't threaten me with their tithe or their church membership. Doesn't work that way. But, 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 I, but, but I've watched people left. Well, you're trying to be like the world. No, we're not trying to be like the world, but we are trying to reach the world. Are you with me? But, but if we're not careful, listen, 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 listen. If we're not careful, Faith Promise, we'll become the older brother in the story that, G, that, that Zach preached so eloquently last weekend. We'll become that older brother who says, hey, let the younger brother go to hell. Listen, we don't want him here. We don't want those gay people here. We don't want those drug people here. We don't want those poor people. We don't want those people over there. There's always of those, isn't there? There's always of those. I'm so grateful Jesus went for those. Man. I mentor a lot of pastors and help a lot of church planners to deal with a lot of people. The number one thing that other pastors tell me, the number one thing when they talk to me is this. I wish I could do it at my church what you do at Faith Promise. I hear it weekly. And I, and I know, and you know what they're saying? I can't do it because my church is full of the older brother. If we did a secular song, the deacons would fire me before lunch. I'm telling you, if I did, if I dressed like you dressed or talked like you did, if I did this, man, they'd fire me. I, and I always say the same thing, let them fire you. Let them fire you, who cares? Are you working for them or are you working for God? And so, but man, I'm grateful. But see, they know the older brother's gonna get angry. And, and listen, we are gonna keep pushing the envelope. As long as I'm sucking air, I'm not dead and God's not done, we're gonna push the envelope. Listen, hey, do you know that some people all weekend will be bothered about the Syrian refugee illustration? I'd rather let Syrian refugees in and win some of them to Jesus and let a few tears through personally. Now, that's a golf clap. That's a golf clap. That's why everybody's for Donald Trump, because they're afraid. I'm not kidding. They're voting for Donald Trump because they're afraid. Somebody take care of me. Are you a son of the mo or daughter of the most high God? Then he takes care of you. My goodness. Have you ever noticed everybody that got around Jesus got better except the religious people? You see, religious people ruin everything, don't they? I love what Timothy Keller said in his book, The Accidental Pharisee. If our churches aren't appealing to the younger brothers, they must be more full of the older brothers than we care to think. When did a perfect sanctuary and no mud on the carpet and no kids making a mess, and nobody tearing anything up in our church so that nobody can come. Isn't that the way church is in America today? There's, we, we don't want anybody else. It's a, so us four and, I know, and, and no more. We, we, we're, don't, we're not looking for people to come, and so they're not welcome. 
It's just like Gandalf looking at Bilbo. And the church in America today is full of Bilbos hiding behind the stained glass while the world goes to hell. <coughs> we are dining weekly on the word of God and the spirit of God and the worship of God while the world starves to death and goes to hell. Does that make sense? It is, it, it's a heartless church that hides behind the buildings. When Jesus came, that's not what he did, did he? He went to the streets and the highways and the byways where people were hurting and lost and hungry and hopeless and helpless and hellbound, and he went and brought the gospel. See, look, religion, and re religion runs and hides in contempt while the gospel runs and helps with compassion. If we don't beat the rap of religion, it will ruin everything. So my question, are we more important with protecting what we have or connecting with lost people? Amen. Are we more important than correcting people than we are connecting with people? See, if you're only worried about correcting people, you will never connect with people. You've got to build a relationship. People have got to feel like they belong before they will believe, and people have got to be accepted so that they will accept the gospel. Does that make sense? Instead of saying, cut your hair, dress like we do, talk like we do, act like we do, then we'll think about accepting you. And they say, fine, we will never come. See, most people don't reject Jesus. They reject those that carry him. Because I'm, I believe if people saw the real Jesus, they would tear the doors down to get in. If they realize the grace and the love and the mercy of God. Let's take a minute and let's look at what, what we want to call a biblical fugitive this weekend. His name is Jonah. Jonah is given the Old Testament great commission to go to the, the great city of Nineveh and preach against that city because God is about to is about to is, is going to move in that city. But but Jonah is so committed not to reach out to those people, that group, those folks, that he goes down to the pier, gets on a ship, pays the fare going the opposite direction of the Great Commission, in the opposite direction of the direct command and will and word of God. You know, as, as you look at the disciples, the apostles in Jerusalem, you know, none of them left. Even though Jesus said to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, nobody left. And so he had to bring, he had to allow the great persecution to drive the Christians to the four corners of the map. Does that make sense? He's always got to stir us to get us to do what he's already told us to do. Now, last weekend, Pastor Zach so eloquently dealt with, with, with the difference between the gospel and religion. But I believe Jonah still goes to church. What do y'all think? See, Jonah still goes to church. Jonah was the older brother in the story of the prodigal son because Jonah so hated the Ninevites, his heart was so hard that he saw them not only enemies of Israel but enemies of God, and he simply would not reach out to that group of people. Are you with me? See, we cannot let our culture, we cannot let talk radio, we can't let the political pundits dictate our worldview. It comes from the word of the living God. Are you with me? It's a deal. See, religion, religion chooses sides. The gospel chooses people. But people are not our enemy. Ephesians 6, chapter 12 is so clear. Our struggle, 
our war, our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against sin refugees. It's not against people that are for same-sex marriage. It's not for, against Democrats or Republicans. It's not against people. Our battle is against the rulers and against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, and against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We're fighting a spiritual battle, not a political battle, but a spiritual battle for the souls of men and women and boys and girls. See, religion incarcerates, but the gospel liberates. Because we're all in the same big Romans 3.23 boat together. All of sin, it comes short of the glory of God. Everybody's in that boat, right? All of us. And so God tells Jonah, don't you go preach to these people? And Jonah leaves awake in his religious shooting spree, his terrorism of going the opposite way. Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 says this, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How do you think you can run from God? Doesn't work. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship, which is going to Tarshish, the opposite direction. He paid the fare to get out from doing the will of God. It's not that easy, but that's what he thought. Went down into, uh, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord twice. He's running. The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. You know what? You know why a lot of churches are breaking up? You know why a lot of people, a lot of churches are struggling? Because they're going the wrong way. This is about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. And they went and threw the cargo, which was in the ship, into the sea to lighten it for them. Oh, I wish I had time to just bear into this. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laid down, and fallen sound asleep. He didn't care that everybody was dying. See, the older brother's a greedy, stingy, mean, hard-hearted person, and that is what religion will do to you. You will not care that people go to hell. And Jonah didn't care. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Everybody else is praying. What's wrong with you? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. Each man said to his mate, come let us cast lots and learn on whose account that this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots and the lot fell to Jonah. They said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Who's your people? What country are you from? What people? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven. Not enough. (laughs) Not enough to obey him. From who made the sea and the dry land. The men became extremely frightened and they said to him, how could you do this? Listen, you can run from God, but do you not know when you disobey God, we're all in danger? When you become religious and lose the gospel, more people are going to hell. Do you realize that you, are, that you have cost all of us our lives? Don't you care? And the older brother would say, no, I don't. And be fully justified because of his religious blindness. For the men knew that he was fleeing for the presence of the Lord because he told them so. So they said to him, what should we do? To you, so that the sea may become calm for us, for the sea was becoming increasingly stormy. He said, Then pick me up and throw me in the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they cut not. These heathen, these pagans had more compassion on Jonah than Jonah had on anybody else. Listen, when we in the church give up the high ground of moral, of compassion, and care, and concern, 
we've lost our authority. Are you with me? We've lost our authority. I've, I've been, I deal with a lot of missionaries, man. A lot of people we support love missions. And, and one of the things that, that several of the couples I've talked to of late, when they'll come back to America and find out that America's not pro doing something for the Syrian refugees, they're bumfuzzled. I said, we don't understand. What, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, we have talk radio here. We're afraid here. We don't care if they go to hell. We, it doesn't bother us. And, and this shock and awe. Because it's just shocking all. I mean, that's what they did. So these guys had compassion. Then they called on the Lord and said, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life, and do not put innocent blood on us. For you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah and they threw his butt into the sea. I'm sorry, in the Hebrew it says rear. And the sea stopped its raging, and the men feared the Lord greatly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish, and it swallowed Jonah. Jonah was in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. Wow. See, Jonah, God said his wrath is going to fall on the Ninevites, and that's what Jonah wanted, so he wouldn't do anything to avert it. And it's unbelievable to me how many people that church folks in America will conscript and consign to hell and never care. Never care. It's, it's mind-boggling to me. Mind-boggling to me. People hold up signs that like God hates fags and wonder why people don't flock to their church. What? I mean, what are you thinking? Did Jesus carry a sign like that? When Jesus dealt with people that were sinners, he showed compassion and grace and mercy. He did say, go and sin no more. But he didn't do it with an ugly, mean spirit. That's why the American church is struggling so much. It has an ugly, mean spirit. That's not the spirit of Christ. Romans chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Do you suppose, do you suppose this, oh man, when you pass judgment? Don't we all older brothers pass judgment? Come on, be real. I got some older brother in me. Y'all might not admit it, but I got some in here. That's on those who practice such things and do the same thing yourself so that you will escape the judgment of God. Do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and that his tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads to repentance? Carrying signs in being ugly doesn't lead people to repentance. The love and patience and tolerance and goodness of God leads people to repentance. Amen. And so Jonah doesn't get this, so they throw him overboard. God sends the well express. Swallows him, takes him to Nineveh. God is going to get you where he wants you to go. Best to go there. The, be the ship would have been easier than the well. He's been swimming in bile for three days. I bet he was an albino when the well spit him out. What a video, huh? If you could just have a video of that. And what Jonah experiences in the next four days is the greatest revival in the history of the world. Many a lot, people don't look and think of the revival of what happened in, in Jonah's day. Jonah goes, it's the huge city, three day, four days walk through the city, 120,000 people. And Jonah walks through the city and Jonah says, God's going to destroy the city. You're sinners. God's going to destroy the city. 40 days, going to rain fire and brimstone. You're going to be weenies on a grill. Ha ha, nana nana boo boo. And he walks through and that's his sermon. He gets to the other side. And what happens? The people fall on their faces. 
The king falls on his faith, puts on sackcloth and ash. The king was so serious, he said, make the animals fast. Put sackcloth on the animals. I mean, they, man, all these people, they are, man, they're repenting from the oldest to the youngest, from the greatest to the least. Man, it, this is one of the greatest moves of God that anyone's ever seen. And what does Jonah do? Man, Jonah goes outside the city to wait and see if God will, in fact, kill them all. Drop a bomb on them, God. So you think he would say, wow, man, praise God, I'm going to write a book, get on speaking tour. Man, I just led the greatest revival. Oh, no, no, no. He's older brother. It'd be like somebody sending you a letter said, hey, man, I've been preaching in Syria, and I've been preaching to ISIS and the Taliban, and I've had 100,000 ISIS fighters on their knees in the desert giving their heart to Jesus. Most people would say, I don't think so. Wouldn't they? Come on, wouldn't they? Come on. You want deep? This is deep. It, it is. See, nobody wants a revival with ISIS. Oh, no, no, we want that at our church. Jonah chapter 4, verse 5. I'm woefully behind. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. What did he want to happen? Cook them, God. Cook them. Verse 6. So the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head, delivered him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm. God sent a worm to your house? With all of it, is what, what, it came at this, and, and attacked the plant, and it withered. And the sun came up, and God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so they became faint and begged God with all of his soul to die. Kill me, God, saying, death is better to me than life. And God said to Jonah, do you have reason to be angry about the plant? He said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on a plant? Your garden? Your dog? Your cat, you had compassion on a plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight, perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city, which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right hand as well as the left and many animals? These people are clueless, Jonah. They are lost. They are hellbound. They don't have a clue. See, God gave Jonah the shade of grace, but he wasn't going to share the shade. That's us, church. So easy. If we don't beat the rap of religion, we'll ruin everything. Are you with me? So when I, we do a secular song, I wonder why they do that. I hate that. It's not for you. 99.9 tenths of every song that we sing is for you to worship. Worship was great this weekend, wasn't it? It was off the chart. It was great. But if we would have been a normal, really an outreach weekend and we had 500 lost people, they wouldn't have got worship. So we'd have, put a, we'd have put a secular song to make them comfortable. And you say, it's not about them. Really? Is everything about you? Are you that immature that it's all about you? Are you does this make sense? So we're mad. I can't believe you did a secular song. Believe it. And 99% of all the churches in Oxford won't do one. You can find one of those. Are you with me? Come on. And those churches aren't reaching anybody either because everything's for me. It's all for us. The older brother, you never gave me a kid so I could have a party with my friends. Big pouty, poochy lip, whining, complaining. Are you with me? That's what church members do. I'm leaving. People leave every weekend mad. 
They send me emails. I can't believe you did. I can't believe why'd you do? Why'd you do? Do people not listen when they come? We're trying to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Come on, dang. And so we're going. Listen, we're going to keep doing it. That's the that's the that's the wild thing. And most churches wish they could. And thank God for y'all. So when your friends get mad and leave, listen, don't try to talk them into staying. Send me an email. I'll give them four or five great churches they can go to. Preach the word, great worship. Man, I'm talking about solid, rock-solid churches that are around us. Nobody's ever going to be saved. And those pastors are my friends, and they have sat with me and wept because nobody gets saved in their church. And I said, because you do everything for the selfish, stingy, narcissistic church members who don't want anything for any stinking body else. Are y'all with me? So, man, I love you. I'm not mad. I'm happy, really. I figure revival's breaking out. We're going to shake the ship up right here this weekend. Come on. That's the deal. So, so, so. With all of our campuses this weekend, we have 7,000 people. It's going to be a great weekend. Some won't come back. They're mad. (laughs) But listen, there's some some Ninevites in the house that that don't know spiritually your right hand from your left. You've never been born again. You don't get this church. You don't get the spiritual stuff. I, I got that. I remember when I didn't get it either. Till I was born again. See, the natural man doesn't understand the things of the Spirit, for they're spiritually praising their foolishness to him. And so God wants, to, God wants to open your heart. God wants to save you. There's some older brothers in the house. Come on. Don't smile. Nobody will know. There's some older brothers. Come on. You want it all to be about, come on, just me and us, and let's don't do anything else. And the Spirit of God is moving to breaking your heart because you got friends and family that are going to hell, and it's your job to be the missionary for them. Amen. Are you with me? So I'm going to lead us in what we call just a simple confessional prayer. If you're ready to turn from your old ways to Jesus, then he's ready. He's ready to save you. Every head bow. Come on. We're going to pray with you. Just pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've blown it. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Master. Use me to tell others about your glory. In Jesus' name. God, we rebuke the spirit of the older brother. We rebuke the spirit of Jonah who did not care that the Ninevites would spend forever in a godless, Christless, hopeless eternity apart from you. And God, I pray that you would break our hearts. I pray, God, that you would use us to fill this place with lost people. I pray, God, pray that we would would see the greatest harvest that we've ever seen in the days and weeks and months to come. God, use us to invest. Use us to invite. Use us, God. Would you move in great power and glory? God, would you flood this house with your Holy Spirit, with liberty, where the Spirit of the Lord there is. Liberty, God, set us free to do your work and advance your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said. Come on, somebody give him some praise.